And now, it's time for a Star Trek story. You know, Aaron, I've, this is a question I sometimes think about in all my engaging with nerd culture and just literature in general. Um, especially like in the last 20 years or so, especially with superhero movies, there has been, and stuff like the Star Wars prequels, there's been like an explosion in like prequels, like origin stories have become very much in vogue over the last 20 years. Maybe not quite as much anymore, but still, you know, we're still getting like the untold origin story or the never before seen prequel of this character, you know? Um, it's, and so my question is, what is the appeal of an origin story? Oh, I think if you're a producer, it's, it's easier. Mm. Uh, and if you're the money, you kind of want to have it be your story. Mm. I don't know. I guess you're trying to reach as many people as possible. So an origin story helps you with that. If people somehow happen to not know who Spider-Man is or Batman is, you know, I struggle with origin stories personally. I think they're overdone. Mm. We are oversaturated with origin stories. Yeah. We all know who, what happened to Batman as a kid at this point. You know what I mean? And Wait, I, his I mean, parents died? Oh my God. What? I had no idea. <laughs> <laughs> so Wait, Clark Kent's not for earth. What? So you're saying the appeal of origin stories is um corporate cynicism a little bit (laughs) (laughs) that's my take on it okay well that makes sense and i can't say i completely disagree or even disagree at all Mm. in the slightest (laughs) but who knows maybe we'll come there has to be some sort of appeal it's not like they it can't be that there's never been like a good one ever done well um welcome to star trek stories everyone at home listening this is episode 20 data lore um as always i am your magnanimous host jaron hatch and i'm joined here by my illustrious co-host aaron cole (laughs) (laughs) we are deep in our look at the growing pains of the next generation what an episode selection this has been so far um last time we watched the big goodbye that's our first holodeck goes wrong episode, which there are many more <laughs> throughout the franchise. How is this still aboard the enterprise for this episode? Um, we have a returning guest host with us. Um, Aaron, who do we have sitting over there in the captain's chair? That captain's chair over there. Mm-hmm. We've got Marky Poo. Hello, mm-hmm. Mark Nelson. How you doing? Doing great. I had no idea I was in the captain's chair. Well, we've we've been doing daytime drinking, so we can't help be held responsible for putting you. Can I fly the ship? Sure. Okay, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) So we want to plug it. (laughs) Oh dear, Um, Mark. Last time we had you on, we watched a private little war, Mm. our little Vietnam parable episode from TOS. Yeah, that's actually one of my favorite episodes we've done, just because. It's such a fun but problematic episode, and we like equal parts like had a hilarious time, and we're also like horrified yeah. by like what we just watched yeah. and what we talked yeah, about. It was there were, it, that one was like peaks and valleys of being like, "What the fuck? Mm-hmm. This is amazing," mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not. Also, it's weird. <laughs> Star Trek is very progressive. What? Pro-regressive. That's actually the perfect way to describe that episode. Yeah. Gone so far, still have so far to go. So far. Um, Mark, we may have talked about this when you were on. Um, You are one of those rare hardcore, I think I would call you a hardcore Star Trek fan. You love it. I do. You are very much immersed in the sauce. You watch it irregularly. Yeah. So you're one of those rare hardcore Star Trek fans that's not very well versed in the next generation, nope. which is like the quintessential like Star Trek show. Right. Like that's the one aside yeah. from maybe the original, but I think most people at this point would agree. No, it's next generation. That's the one. And you have only seen like a, a, a few episodes. Yeah. What's that about Mark? I have no idea. <laughs> 
I think it's because I, I kind of missed it because I, I started in Voyager. But then that didn't necessarily make me a Star Trek fan. I didn't become a, like, a Star Trek fan until uh, I met you. Mm-hmm. And you recommended Enterprise and Deep Space Nine. Mm-hmm. And so uh, that like that's what got me, made me hardcore Star Trek fan. You went from a Voyager fan to like a Star Trek fan. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. But I just never took the time to actually sit down and watch all of Enterprise yet. Mm. So, TNG? Because you watched Enterprise. Enterprise, uh, not Enterprise, yes. Next Generation. Next Generation, yeah. Um, but I have seen, I mean, I've seen episodes. Seen episodes, know I've the seen, characters. I've, I've seen moments from episodes. I, re- I remember coming home from like work when we were living together up in Ogden. Uh-huh. And, and I would walk in, and everyone would be in the living room, and you just see Jean-Luc being like, there are four lights. <laughs> like, oh, I, I, missed all, I missed all the good parts. <laughs> <laughs> something about four lights. Yeah, what a... T- so, something about it, but, I mean, his performance was fantastic. Yeah, what a no-context <laughs> moment to come in when Patrick oh, no. Stewart's yelling about four lights. There are four lights. What the fuck happened to this man? <laughs> It's too much to explain. <laughs> it's too much to explain. We'll watch it some other time, Mark. <laughs> yeah, it's basically uh, it. What's your impression of the next generation as like a hardcore Star Trek fan who hasn't watched it? Like, what do you when you just think about it? Like, what goes through your? Well, it's very interesting. Um like a desire to actually take the time to watch it. But <laughs> I have seen a few episodes from the first like two seasons mm-hmm. and not like the best episodes. Mm-hmm. So I know that it's going to be like, like it's going to be good, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a little painful to get there. And I just haven't been willing to put myself through the pain. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of cringe. <laughs> on the way Mm -hmm. to next generation being good and i haven't been able to face that yet so yeah Um, you're not wrong (laughs) you're not wrong and the thing is like i love picard and um why can't i think of the actor's name now patrick stewart patrick stewart oh my lord day drinking (laughs) Day drinking. Get out. <laughs> Day drinking. Get out. Patrick Stewart. I, like I love Patrick Stewart. Um, Data as a character, I feel like is probably one of the best Star Trek characters mm-hmm. ever made. Because um, I have seen a lot of the movies mm-hmm. as well of like the Next Generation movies, which is again weird. It's just the show itself. I haven't watched, but I've watched most of the movies. Mm-hmm. I know the characters, but. It's a very unique position you're in. I'm not yeah. many hardcore Star Trek fans yeah. being in that position. So um, it'll be fun to bring you on and watch some of these episodes and get your thoughts and feelings. And prayers. And prayers. Uh, um, well, thanks for coming on, Mark. Um, well, ladies and gentlemen, Mark is not the only one <gasps> here with us today. What? We have a surprise oh. guest on the show today. Um, also joining us is our very good friend, Markay Llewellyn. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Markay, last time you were here, we watched Journey to Babel. Yes. Um, another oh, episode from TOS. This was looking at Spock and his family. And I also had a really good time with that one. We had a good talk about like found family mm-hmm. versus like family and you know what kind of makes one or the other and um, is blood thicker than water i have to listen to the episode to find out yeah (laughs) you're more you're still more of that casual fan oh yeah 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 peripheral absorption over life (laughs) with my family and relatives Mm -hmm. but i still don't know enough to name everyone comfortably or not embarrass myself on a podcast so uh (laughs) we're learning together but i'm a huge i I also have a big love for the zeitgeist behind the show and just this attitude of 
coming together to explore for a better existence for all rather than like focusing on one specific need of your own, you know? Mm-hmm. So I really, really, I've really appreciated that throughout the show. So yeah, it's, it's, it brings me back to it. It's a comforting thing for me. It is like comfort food mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or like a cozy blanket. Yeah. Um, I'm going to put this to you, both of you real quick. Um, going back to our question from earlier, um, and especially since we've been talking about just our own, like where we're coming from, from Star Trek with our own Star Trek histories. Um, what do we think the appeal of origin stories is? Um, have you ever seen how they like re-level patios that have sunk in? No. Like, have you ever seen a whole old house where like the stairs kind of like have started separating and like moved down? Okay, yeah. Like a lot of times when you fix something like that, they have to like lift it up as much as they can and dig underneath and build a new foundation underneath it to let the structure continue to stand and even be able to withstand any renovations to it, to this existing structure. Mm. So if like, I think of it like that with an origin story where, I mean, financially I would agree that they are marketed as heavily as they are because of everything that Aaron already said. (laughs) Uh, I completely agree. But I think as a, from like a writing perspective, it gives you an opportunity to lay out a new foundation that could for the existing character that could even include new seedlings of different villains or different uh, antiheroes or friends for this character. You can plant those earlier on in the origin story if you want, so that later it makes more sense for the audience if they're kind of already established. I haven't seen an origin story in film done that I really like, Mm. to be quite honest. Um, But, I mean, it's hard to think of them right now. But isn't, like, origin, isn't that something that we as human beings have been searching for since the creation of ourselves? I mean, Mm -hmm. like, the biggest question or one of the biggest questions that that is asked is, like, where do we come from? Mm -hmm. And we're still looking farther and farther back into the initial moments of the universe trying to figure out like what the fuck happened mm-hmm. for us to be here. Yeah. We have like a pretty decent guess. So it's like as human beings though, we are that that question already just automatically nags at us. I'm so it still is it. fun to like you know, to go back and see a little bit further like Okay, well, like, what happened before? Mm. I don't know. I think it's just as valid as doing a sequel. Yeah, where do we come from? I like that. It, like, reaches down to that deep question inside of all of us of, like, why. Yeah, why, who am I? And maybe if I kind of look where all this came from, that'll give me some context as to who I am now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Well, should we watch this episode and see if it gives us any insights onto what, what the appeal of an origin story is? Uh, we are watching Data Lore today. Um, this aired January 18th, 1988. This is the 14th episode produced for the first season of Star Trek The Next Generation. So just a little over halfway through. Um, Next Generation was the Star Trek show that really kind of started to buck that trend a bit. And even though Next Generation is pretty episodic, it did start... It, it really focused on the characters, though, in a way that TOS hadn't. I think this is kind of one of the earliest examples of them kind of really starting to do, like, character exploration into who they have. Um, and in this case, it's start arguably Star Trek's most beloved or Next Generation's most beloved character, Mr. Data. Um up at up until this point on the show, he's just been like the Android crew member. They have not talked about like where he comes from. Like he's the only thing you know about him is that he's an Android. He wants to be human. Um, and so this is kind of when they finally start to peel back. Or, you know, some of the curtain on who this character is. So, um, for those of you at home, this is your invitation to watch. Star Trek The Next Generation is streaming on Paramount+. Plus. You can find it by bringing up Season 1, Episode 13. And we'll be back after we watch Datalore 
and drink 100% more mimosas. Everything available on a Dr. Noonien Sung. Ah, good old off and wrong Sung. <laughs> a joke, brother. Actually, he was a genius by human standards. But he had destroyed his own reputation by making what seemed wild promises about his positronic brain design, almost all of which failed. Promises he later proved to be true which made you and me possible, brother. Our beloved father. Will I soon have a uniform like that, brother? If you get one the way I did, Lor, it will mean four years at the academy, another three as ensign, 10 or 12 on varied space duty in the lieutenant grades, a system designed to compensate for limited human ability. And you, brother, are beginning to think as a human. You and I are completely different from them. Are you truly satisfied with the knowledge and memory of a few hundred human colonists? Suppose it could reflect thousands or millions or the knowledge of hundreds of millions of life forms of every kind. How? We will discuss that in time. We just watched Data Law. Mm. Uh, um, Data Law. Data Law. Uh, in case you're one of those who didn't watch it with us, in this episode, they visit Data's home planet and they essentially find where he was constructed and they find another one of him that they reassemble and it turns out to be his evil twin brother, Lore, <gasps> who tries to kill everyone on the ship for some reason. Is essentially what this one is about. Um, Marque, we'll start with you. Initial thoughts on Data Lore. This was a fun one. This was a fun one. It. I feel like this could branch a lot of conspiracy theories within the Star Trek universe. I have very controversial opinions about Lore and Data and who survived at the end of the episode. Uh, but it was really cool. It also, it was very interesting to kind of meet everyone this is the first episode of next generation i've seen all, all the way, way through, through. Uh, so that was very cool too yeah so i, I guess a pretty good intro yeah real quick on that so like i guess having been aware of the show now watching a full episode like does it kind of match impressions or oh yeah yeah it's great and it is i mean not 
not to just boil it down, but you can definitely see the roles that each character is filling from another series. Like, they have the Spock character in Data, the outsider who's also trying to be human, you know, and they have they have the Captain character who's more of a father figure to everyone, and you have the first mate, and but they also really change it up with a few different things, so it's kind of fun to see the different flavors. It is weird to see a kid on deck. That yeah. was a big surprise. <laughs> big step How in the old Star is Wars this direction. kid? Like 13, 14? We- Wesley is supposed to be 16. Wow. <laughs> you could not trust me with a spaceship at 16, guys. There's no, no. way. I mean, ha- any of you, who would, would you be trusted with a spaceship? Heck no. Hell yeah. If I was 16, I would totally, uh, I'd be like, yeah, yeah, I got this. <laughs> but yeah, but looking back now, yeah. no, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> if somebody was like, hey, we'll let you drive this spaceship young man we're gonna like, make you an ensign yeah yeah of course i'll do it <laughs> whatever i'm thinking like oh my god well if it i might kill everybody but here we go <laughs> <laughs> yeah it still seems very silly though wesley is probably one of the most if not the most controversial character in not just next generation but maybe all of star trek like wesley so many fans hate wesley crusher he got death threats as what? a kid because people hated him so much. They were like, why is this stupid kid on this ship? <laughs> That's too far, guys. Why would you threaten That's the crazy. kid about that? That's oh, there's six- so many other people to threaten, guys. I know. Don't threaten the kid. Boo. Oh, Mark, initial thoughts on data lore. Oh, boy. It was a wild ride. <laughs> oh. I'm still reeling from it because I really liked it. Mm. It was Star Trek. There were some things about it that like really brought me back to like the original series. But there were also like entire conversations that went on in this episode that I was like, what's the point of this conversation? <laughs> like, why have they been talking for like five minutes about nothing? Like, where's the only one. <laughs> that scene where they're in the briefing room, where the scene is essentially like, yes, we're all feeling a little weird about data and everything, but we must remember that we're all machines, that, that we're all, and then Riker just like, here, here, yeah, knock yeah. it off. Like, and then data's like, oh, we need him back. And they're like, was that the scene? You're talking about how to appropriately like refl- think about data. What the hell was that scene? Yeah. Let's make sure we're all being very inclusive. But I uh, love Jordy's reaction in that moment too. He was like, "Phew, sheesh." Uh, but Brent Spinner, Spiner, Spiner, yeah, Brent Spiner was awesome. Like and and like uh, especially the scenes where he was both Laura and Data. I feel like he did a very, very good job of making them feel distinct from each other and yeah. yet at the very same time being similar to each other. Just adding in that like tiny little extra bit into Lore. Um I thought was great. The dialogue was not my favorite and throughout most of this episode. I mean, but it was though, but I also loved it. But <laughs> at the same time I was like Oh man, I'm cringe. <laughs> like, oh. like, what's happening? Like, <laughs> which ADHD? <laughs> yeah. But there were a awesome. few conversations where it really they stood out to me because it was like, that is an excellent example of conflict resolution. But it was like it was like a whole setup, like part A to part B, like D, you know, like the whole deal. They're like walking you through how to resolve this conflict, like that. They did that like four or five times <laughs> yeah. in one episode. Yeah, that was, I mean, good for them. Mm-hmm. It's almost. It, but were they all necessary? <laughs> some of those scenes feel like almost like workplace training video yes. things, yes. like at times, you know, yes. like that's how some of those scenes felt. I want yeah. to show this to new hires at my company now. It's the only option at this point. <laughs> oh my god yes yes i see your point data um oh my god yeah hilarious but they try to pass it off as like legit drama or like oh, yeah. s- storytelling mm-hmm. what other show tries to seriously incorporate that into it it's 
like you say, Mark, it is wild. Yeah. <laughs> but enjoyable. It was it was like being on a fucking roller coaster. I was just like, yes. <laughs> like a roller coaster that you might fall asleep for a short. <laughs> for like, for just, just a little bit. Just a little bit. But then you then you're awake. <laughs> oh. Um Aaron. Um Me. Data lore. Oh, uh, I felt like Yar had more to do. She got to speak up for herself finally. Finally, that something. Was, yeah, anything. for her character to mm-hmm. do. And Worf too. He had that moment in the elevator. Yeah. So, the competition continues between the characters. Who is the real chief of security? Yeah. <laughs> Worf or Yar? Yeah, they split up all their scenes, but uh, again, they're just making reference to Jordy being blind and utilizing him for that one ability that he has, which is his visor. Mm-hmm. Like, this is how we use this character. Jordy, what did it look like? Wow, it looked like a giant snowflake, sir. Fucking crazy, bro. Thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you, Jordy. <laughs> Jordy, you realize that that's exactly what we are seeing. Oh. There's a, there's a <laughs> multi-dimensional <laughs> snowflake, of course. <laughs> it looks like what the fuck it is on the view screen, man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> oh, we got a great example of, of a Riker pose, a Brigadoon pose. Oh, yeah. Full leg up on the table. Yeah. Right. What's the situation? Yeah, we got a couple of those. Just Riker leaning on his leg. Yeah. I like the episode overall, too, Mark. I think it's a good AI story and a good Star Trek episode. Um, there, are, Yeah, it does meander. Maybe they could have focused on more elements like... Uh, the differences between data and lore, things like that. Mm. But it did it did well, raise a lot of good questions and ideas. I feel like I, it also it felt like lore was like showing his hand right from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a bit melodramatic. A little bit. Yeah, this one for me is. I, I, I'm never sure exactly how to feel about this one. Like it's, I think it is really fun to watch. It's like, but part of that fun for me is like, it's so silly. Like there are so many of these again, like they're doing this. I, I've never seen a show where it's like, it's this, you know, the, the old evil twin is just one of the oldest villain tropes. And it, it's one of the tropiest of concepts, the mm-hmm. the evil twin. So at one point you're getting this like evil twin melodrama. Mm-hmm. And then in, at the other point you're getting these workplace conflict resolution scenes. I'm like, oh, the, the tone for this whole episode mm-hmm. is so wonky. It's spliced with these X-Files scenes where all the lighting comes from the floor for some reason. <laughs> Yeah. Apparently in space, all the lights come from bottles sitting on the floor, and all of the shadows are twice as tall as the people in the room. Oh yes, it's it's candlelight Wednesday here. Um. <laughs> what are they going for there? Um, yeah, it's just such it's so it's just such a weird weird vibe to me. Like, um, but it's fun to watch. I think like and like you said, Mark, like. Brent Brent Spiner is really fun to watch. I think that's probably the funnest part is to see him play. And there are a few Star Trek episodes where actors, for whatever cosmic reason, get to kind of play double and play off themselves. Kate Mulgrew in Voyager does it a few times, and it's amazing every single time. Oh, she's she's trying to out out act herself again. (laughs) She's crushing it. She's crushing it. (laughs) She brings up her own game. She's not even in the scene with her when she's doing it. It's amazing. Um, yeah, that's fun. That's for me is the funnest thing. Um, and it is fun to say, like, you know what? So we get to see Lore, who we should probably get into here in a second, because that's so much of what this episode is about is Lore. But, you know, one aspect that they bring up that, in my mind, I think is a little more interesting and less tropey is there is they, they mention how he also has like not the memories but like all the like the 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 knowledge of the colonists on this planet he used to live in it's just all inside him that's a really interesting idea to me and that's partially what informs his humanity he's he's got like 
all of this colonist experience to draw on. And they, they briefly mention that in this episode. It doesn't really amount to anything. They just kind of haphazardly kind of mention that he has this. I'm like, that's actually kind of interesting. And that's, I, and there's no episode that really delves into like, they mention it every now and then. Oh yeah. Data has just all these colonists like experiences essentially in him. I'm like, that's a really interesting idea. And I wish that was something that they really explored. And instead we kind of get this kind of evil twin brother thing, thing, (laughs) you know, Um, yeah, you could do like a whole season arc on his memory remnants. Right. Right. And how that influence, that kind of makes up his personality, you know, but at what point is that not doctor who? Mm. Mm. All these like previous mm. cells making who you are. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, you had mentioned in um, earlier, Marquet, like part of like going to the idea of like origin stories, and you did bring up say like it helps inform, it sets all this groundwork for things, and one of those things is the arch villain, mm-hmm. and that is exactly what we get in this. And like, yeah, this is this is very superhero-y in terms of like. Here's the origin, and then here's like the arch villain who's also closely related to the origin story that has the personal kind of. But you're my equal in every way, but you represent my opposite. Because Data wants to be human, um, and it's just out of his grasp. But then Lore is like, I am human, and he's like evil, and like <laughs> he's, so, he's so human that he's evil. He's like, so I'm the human. most he's human. Evil. Yeah. Like, um, so, yeah, so what's the feeling on lore? It was fun. Yeah. It was fun to explore that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I wish they had highlighted more, like you guys were saying, I wish they highlighted more on exactly what human traits he had that differed from an android. Because mm. we, can, we can make a lot of assumptions ourselves, but... It would have been fun to like kind of go, oh yeah, it's like a human's jealousy, or maybe his he was hurt over the people like be- casting him out, or I don't know. There are a lot of things that they could have dug into to be more specific. Mm. But it was fun. The muscle twitch coming <laughs> in and out just with the little pen glow was really fun. <laughs> Apparently, you can make anyone twitch with a little pen glowing, so that's fun. I would love one of those for my own twitches to make them go away. Oh, let's just shine that little light on there. It's yeah, good now. Seems like if, if it was that easy, why didn't they just oh. take care of it when they assembled them? You know? Right? They had the equipment right there. Come on. No, and we're just going to leave the twitch because we don't like you. <laughs> But that, but but no, but that's kind of what happens to Lore, though. Like, I feel like, I feel like they did, in a small way, represent Lore's jealousy towards Data by the fact that he lies about being constructed first, because uh, he says he was constructed first when really, or he says, he says Data, Data was, was yeah. Data was constructed first. Um. So j- just in the act of lying about that, I think that proves that he is jealous of Data because he was the one who was turned against and shut off. And yeah, you had you had said this earlier, Mark. Though it's like, um, but with Lore, um, I think Lore is an interesting idea that there's this other one, and it is interesting that like he was shunned by the colonists, and the colonists didn't like him, and. And then Data, on the other hand, has this whole family thing that he's a part of. I think for me, what I wish that we got to see more of is just right off the bat, it just goes straight to evil twin brother. And like, and you had said, Mark, like he's Lore starts showing his hand almost immediately, instantly. It's (laughs) highly telegraphed. The music, how he's acting, it's like, oh, this guy is just evil right well and in that first scene with it's just him and data the one we're watching right now he basically puts data down yeah and is like you're never going to be as good as me yeah he's like and nobody's going to think of you in the way that that you're going to want to like have people thought about you you'll never be human not like me and data just kind of sits there and takes it and then is basically like i'm gonna go tell the captain (laughs) 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 um 
I think for me, what would make this work a little better is I don't mind that he he is like the villain or the adversary. I just would have liked to have seen, I don't know, it build up to it more in a sense of like really explore why why Lore is jealous. And like if it is like, oh, you found a family. I never got that. Like I feel like there's some interesting material there they could play with and make Lore a more sympathetic because I feel like in a lot of ways it's all there for Lore to be a sympathetic character. Mm-hmm. But just right off the get-go, he's lying and evil. Yeah. And the music itself, like we were joking during the episode, Mark, you were like, Captain, I just came from those quarters and like there was this music playing and like the vibes were off. <laughs> <laughs> the vibes are fucked, Captain. Wesley. <laughs> I asked for Commander Riker's report. <laughs> the vibes? The vibes, oh, fucks. <laughs> oh, fuck. Um, oh, I, I think if this episode had come later in the show, when they had kind of really honed in on what they want the show, when they really focus on the characters rather than like the plot, because right. it's still very like old school TOS campy plot. Oh yeah, the sets. Why we commented on like, yeah, these sets are just straight <laughs> out of the old '60s show. You know. There's still a lot of that lingering at this yeah. point in the show, which is charming. I, I like it is enjoyable. Mm. Um, yeah, in a weird way, that's one of the reasons why it is fun to watch is because it is so campy and charming yeah. and silly. You know, who doesn't love a little bit of camp? Yeah, you got to have it, especially when exploring complex ideas. You can't take yourself too seriously. Otherwise, the audience goes preachy boo, and you turn it off. <laughs> <laughs> um, how do we feel this episode does? I don't know, like. Does this? Does any of this help? Like elucidate Data's character, or like, how do we feel this does for Data as a character? Does this inform him more? Makes me curious mm-hmm. uh, to know more about his creator and and the drama that surrounded that. Riker talks a bit about it. Gives us the exposition of Dr. Soon, like we talked about before. The setting up what happened before gives you the freedom to kind of fill in that timeline in other spots as well, mm-hmm. like you said. Okay. It certainly does its job of like asking why data is around or why the person who created data created data. But this particular episode, I feel like it doesn't even have that much to do with data's origin. It's more about Lore's origin and more about like, which is kind of a sad way to look at it when you realize that the only reason data exists is because Lore was a shithead. <laughs> yeah, and they, yeah. They went a less perfect Android. Yeah. Here's data. Um, From a family perspective, it's like, well, we fucked up the first kid. Let's try it again. Let's have a second one. Mm. Well, but if you're the third child, then, does that mean they fucked up twice? Yeah, and also they stop caring. <laughs> <laughs> and then if they have two more after that, then it well, means they th- fucked me up too. <laughs> <laughs> then they're just Mormon. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that is true. Sweet Jabus. Sweet Jabus. <laughs> Um, I guess it's interesting and like, you know, in a, in a kind of indirect way, they do kind of explore data origin in terms of, cause you, like you say, and a lot of it, this is like, ends up just being a lore episode. He, as soon as he shows up, he becomes the entire focus of everything, but it's almost like doing in this origin in an indirect way. It's almost like, here's what data could have been kind of a thing. Mm. You know, you do get there is a mirror happening in this episode where rather than just saying, here's where he comes from. It also holds up this mirror of like data very easily could have been this, which is actually a lot more on par with how most of sci fi portrays super intelligent AI. It's like they're evil Mm -hmm. and they're just trying to kill and take over everything. (laughs) And data is kind of the outlier He's like, oh, I just want to be like human. Yeah, I wonder what it is about like. That that is different in Data's coding, that makes him that way, because he's not docile. Like Data fights, mm-hmm. and in fact, I believe Data kills. The biggest difference between them that I can see is, aside from Lore being evil, um, mm-hmm. Lore 
either has emotions or just has a much better grasp on emotions than Data does. Data does not. He doesn't understand emotions. Whereas Laura seemingly just, he's laughing, smirking, you know. I think that's the biggest difference is like Lore has a greater emotional threshold, mm-hmm. but he really struggles in doing anything positive with it. It's almost like he's flooded in it. Mm. Whereas Data doesn't have enough. Yeah. But it's, or or maybe they imply Data has the perfect balance where humans are flooded in it just like Lore is, but then having part android being able to hear Lore tear apart his whole existence and still just rebound and go, well, you're full of shit and I'm going to tell the captain. (laughs) (laughs) But then also have the emotional depth to get angry enough to want to murder someone in cold blood. But But it could also be that just Data's time with Lore alone changed him enough. Pushed him a little bit further in Lore's direction. Or uh, his head injuries. Oh, yeah. that's Oh, yeah. Lore kicked him in the head a whole bunch. Like a totally couple forgot. times. Yeah. Like tore his like, face open. You know, there's a question I've always had because it's like, and I don't think the show really answers this, but it's like, because Data does have moments of seeming emotion. Like, they're very subtle, but he's not just completely just this automaton. Like, when he's practicing the sneezing... And he's not getting it. You see him make this visible, audible, like, sign of, like, <sighs> you know, I'm like, okay, that's, as, as small as that is, that is an emotional response, not a, log- mm-hmm. a logical response. And then at the end of the episode, and then maybe this is going to, like, Lore having an effect on him, when Data confronts Lore, there's that, he has that face of disappointment, and he has that, <laughs> you said, burn, Marquet, where he's like, <laughs> how disappointing dear brother you make me wish i was an only child and it's like that's a dig yeah. like he didn't need to yeah. say that yeah Huge dig. <laughs> so is it that data just doesn't have emotions or just doesn't have the capacity to understand the emotions that he does have i would argue he understands them enough to step outside of them mm. Like, he he knows what his emotions are, and he knows that they, at the end of the day, will not influence the end result of something. Mm. So he use, it, it almost seems like he uses his emotions as information, mm. in addition to everything else, to make a decision. Mm. But it's not solely emotion. Mm. But I feel like that would be, if so many of us, myself included, get really full in my emotion and will react in it instead of watching data step outside of it and mm-hmm. kind of just do his own thing sometimes it's interesting but you're right it could also be a the opposite i think he's interesting to think of it like that i think he's faking it i think it's a mask mm-hmm. he's he's so quick and he's so good at studying human behavior that like he, mimicry when he fails at something he knows the human response is to Oh, I'm disappointed. But he's not actually feeling that emotion. So like mm. the entire yeah. walk over to Lore, he was just thinking of his sick burn. Yeah. Like he was like, all right, I've got to figure out exactly what I'm going to say mm-hmm. to make it sound like I'm being an asshole because that's what a human would do. <laughs> <laughs> he's faking it till he makes it, basically. I actually, I was thinking the same thing, like, and just adding on layers mm-hmm. as he gains more experience yeah i don't know it's interesting gets more and more data to inform his choices Mm. and they go into that more in the later seasons like questioning his creativity and and the moment where his thoughts become consciousness and all kinds of stuff they get there that's it well it's also interesting well it just brings up questions of like because, you know, they say there's like, you know, the Turing test that, you know, which you would hypothetically use to test if an AI is like alive or not. But it's like, but what if an AI is just intelligent enough that it can essentially like mimic being alive, but isn't alive. But then, then it's also like, but if you can mimic it to the point where it's indistinguishable from the real thing then is it not just the real thing at that point? So it's like, it, mm-hmm. is it just mimicry or is it just because data just is so keyed into it? Cause like at very, humans, we don't just respond internally humans. We we're always responding to each other. And that's a lot of what informs our responses. And I'm like, if that's what data is doing, 
like is is it that different from just the real deal? Like it brings up some interesting questions. Mm-hmm. Well, and even Picard says so himself. He says we're just machines made out of biochemistry, basically. Yeah. Um, and he's got a very valid point. Was that the hear hear moment? Yeah. Yeah, hear hear. Well, and there's that little scene at the end when they're leaving the the cargo bay, and um, where and data or Picard quickly asks Riker. Do you think that data, I can't remember exactly what he says, but do you think data is more or less human than we are? And then Riker says, I just wish we were as balanced. And Picard's mm-hmm. like, agreed. And then they walk off to triumphant you know, music. Um, yeah, but it's like, yeah, is it is it that data is, is the question that data is more or less human or is it that it's just, it's almost like a different configuration. There's a different kind of balance rather than he's more or less human. Mm-hmm. Um, shifting gears a little, how do we feel about the crystalline entity? <laughs> to me, a little bit, it kind of felt like an afterthought, almost in a way of like, and how's Laura going to threaten them all? Uh, uh, um, crystalline entity. What? What is? Fuck that? it. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. <laughs> yeah, they never really tell you how lore like what the goal is i mean it's clear the crystalline entity wants to destroy the ship and has lured lord into doing his bidding but like why we need an origin story for the crystalline Crystalline entity (laughs) do we though (laughs) i'm content to just let that one be my god God. it does give me a question how much of Lore's evilness was influenced by the crystalline entity mm-hmm. feeding the people to the... Oh, is that what's going on? Maybe. It was also a very human thing to do. So that was his only source of Infallible. interaction at the time. So it twisted him. Mm-hmm. Maybe Lore is corrupted by the crystalline entity. Because, yeah, they do establish very briefly that, like, it just somehow has the ability to just consume all life on, like, a cellular level. That's why, like, the planet was just completely decimated. It just absorbs all the life energy into itself. Mm. Um, it looks cool. The crystalline entity? Oh, yeah. It's dope. Mm-hmm. That's my biggest guess is that they just wanted something that would look cool. Mm-hmm. Or, like, somebody was like, hey, I just they just down, I just downloaded this, like, or you wouldn't have downloaded it at the time, but I just got this new program that can create, like, cool special effects. Look at this crystalline thing. We're putting that in the show. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We also have to, This is and this has been a running theme of this list of episodes, Aaron, we have to talk about acting ends in Wesley Crusher. <laughs> because they, for whatever reason, in, a, in an episode that's mostly focused on like data and lore, in the last little bit, they just decide, let's have Wesley be the one who clues everyone into what's going on. And it's just, it just feels like such a baffling decision. Like everyone just suddenly gets really stupid. Talk about doubling down. Wesley, shut up. <laughs> shut you up, You might be Wesley. on the bridge because you've been acknowledged as a super genius child who is good at everything, but we're going to ignore everything you say now. Goodbye. But even though everything that you're saying makes 100% complete sense. Do so you feel acknowledged? You Fuck feel you, child. <laughs> yeah, we, this is the episode where we get the actual infamous, shut up, Wesley. Oh, so good. Lives on in infamy from here on out. Shut up, Wesley. It also adds to the charm of the episode. It's like part of the reason why I liked it and enjoyed it so much. Because it's like, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I feel like as far as season one episodes goes, you can most certainly do worse than this one. Most certainly. It certainly has its charm. Mostly Brent Spiner, I would say, in this one. (laughs) Um, but then it, this one does launch a couple of plot threads that do continue into the future. So, well, I'm thrilled. Wacky, wild stuff. You know what that means? Mm. A lot more podcasts. A lot more podcasts, folks. Oh, you know, you guys don't even know. There's so many more to come. Don't even know. Um, any final thoughts on data law? Cool concept. Could have done with some better execution, but we know looking back that Star Trek will get there eventually in a couple seasons. Yeah. Good ideas introduced. I think in a good episode overall. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I liked it. 
but it did feel rushed hmm. as an episode. It just kind of felt like <laughs> as they were writing it, they'd be like, okay, well, we need to change this thing. It's no longer a love story. Okay, it's an evil twin story. Okay, okay. And then it was like they just went with every first idea mm. that came from that point after. <laughs> you know, like. And then, like, a crystal thing shows up and it's going to destroy all the life on the planet or whatever. We're cooking with gas now. I don't know. Just write it. Just write it. Just fucking write it. <laughs> I liked it. I thought it was fun. Yeah. I. I feel like it ended very similarly to the last episode I watched with you guys, huh. where it kind in the end it's always a balance of all things that tends to be the best solution. Mm. And I think that's what Star Trek's always pushing for is to, you know, find the unfound, discover the undiscovered, travel the unseen. You know, and they they find it and they take the best parts of it and they make it part of them. And then whatever's bad, they beam back down. <laughs> or, or, into space. Or, or into space and then just warp away and yeah. leave him he'll be fine or to body be slam off of a wall <laughs> you know what happened to Worf quality that kind of <laughs> no resolution there oh, yeah Worf is still on the turbo lift like, cross-eyed unconscious <laughs> two punches one to the heart Lieutenant Worf Lord caved in your chest cavity <laughs> you will never be the same <laughs> Well, thanks for coming over, guys. Um, this was a real lovely treat, a little brunch treat. Mm. Um, that was a really fun episode. Definitely a fun episode to watch with friends and just have a silly old time, too. Mm. Um, Marquet, thank you so much for coming over and being our surprise guest. Thank yes. you for having me. It's been a delight. Um, next time, we'll just have you be like a regular guest. Okay. No surprises. <laughs> no surprises. <laughs> we won't just drop that on you, everyone. <laughs> you should have told me. Mark, thank you, as always. Thank you. Blast, as always. Always a pleasure and a delight. Yes, thank you both for coming on. I had fun. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, looking forward to having you both back on the podcast. Um, Well, the growing pains of the next generation will continue next episode with 11001001. Which is probably just has the most mouthful of a title in all of Star Trek. One one zero zero one zero zero one. Um, yeah. So in the last few episodes, we've um, been doing a lot of kind of setup. We've had Laura's brother. We've had a few things that kind of gets introduced and set up in these last few episodes. So next time, it's going to be more of like just a little standalone episode where we can just kind of see where the show is at this point. So, and we'll be we'll be bringing on a new friend to talk about that with us. So. That'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, new friends. Yay! Thank you, everyone, for coming aboard. Um, And then until next time, we will all see you out there floating in space. For years. For years. It's cool. But it's fine. I'm feeling... It's all fine. I feel it. I talked to this guy on Ryza that really just... He gave me some stuff and... (laughs) I found an online therapist who really helped me move through a lot of the pain of being abandoned (laughs) again. <laughs> but it's Dude. cool. It's all it's good. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> See you next time, everyone. <laughs>